1: Welcome to the circuit of success. I'm your host Brett Gilliland and today I've got Sarah schulten cran Sarah, how you doing?
0: Good. How are you?
1: I'm good. We just got to talk a little bit about St. Louis. You lived here for a couple of years.
0: I did. I did. I was aging myself 95 to 97. That's crazy. It was a long time ago.
1: Yeah. Former teacher, right?
0: Mm-hmm. I was. I taught out in Fort Zumwalt School District. Um, yeah. Very
1: nice. And now you're out in uh, Hermosa Beach, California.
0: I am. It's a little different than St. Louis, Missouri. A little
1: different. different. <laughs> a little, different, little more uh, oceanfront property out there. Yes. Uh, nicer weather, probably. Yeah. Uh, yes. yes. We got there my Cardinals, though. I got to have my Cardinal hat and all these shows.
0: I love it. I love it. Taking me home. Well, uh, maybe
1: for those people that don't know who Sarah Schulte Kranz is, you are an author. You are an author of the book called Walk Through This, your professional coach a TEDx speaker, you're a wilderness guide, which I can't wait to talk about that. Uh, And now you're right now, you're an executive producer of a a documentary, correct?
0: Yeah, lots of things. A little different than being that teacher that I was back in 95 to 97. Absolutely.
1: (laughs) So how did you make that change? I mean, how do you go from this teacher to where you're at today and all the stuff that you're doing?
0: You know, somebody asked me recently, um, have you always been a teacher or have you always been doing this? That's what it was. They said, have you always been doing this? And I said, yes, actually. It's. I realized recently I sat and thought with that question. Um, I sat with that question. And I thought, you know, when I was in college, well, I've been a mom since I was 17, number one. So that, you know, right there, you're always in the learning, teaching and learning phase. Uh, and then when I was in college and I decided I wanted to become a teacher, I just love being with people. Like, I love being with kids. I love being with adults. I love any age. It doesn't matter who you are. And <clears throat> so I went, from, I went from college and became a teacher. And then I quit teaching for a number of years. And I stayed at home with my children. Um, so I taught in a different kind of way, right? Sure. And then through my own trauma recovery and everything that I was doing, I realized that I was just simply going to be teaching in a different way, which is why, like today, I guide men and women through healing retreats. I do one on one coaching. Um, I you know, wrote this book. It's very creative. I was an art teacher as well, by the way. So it's very creative and it's very it's teaching just in a completely different kind of way, which I love.
1: Right. Now, did it take you a while to believe you could be that woman to just say, OK, I'm going to walk away from this nice job, this salary, some benefits. My summer's off and just go better myself.
0: So when I had to quit teaching, um, I quit because I followed my husband out, not followed him. I came out here with him as a family, right? Like that was our thing. I followed his dream. That's what I would say. And he wanted to come out to California. We were living in Wisconsin at the time. He wanted to come out here and to take his own career in a different direction. And so uh, i had to leave mine behind um the way that it is out here education is very different the the educational experience for kids is very different and so um through that I just decided okay well i'll quit teaching right now and raise the children and do the things but it was interesting because i missed it and i because i loved my teaching days i loved my teaching days it was I was not only an art teacher, but I also um, did a lot of the um, hiring and the letting go of people. And you know, I was I was really deep into the school district, and so it was tough leaving my kids. Literally, I called them like my children, my kids that I was my students. But what's funny is they follow me now on social media and follow what I'm doing. So they're still learning from me in a different kind of way, which is cool.
1: That is cool. That's mm-hmm. cool. They even want to follow you, right? They liked you that much.
0: Yes, yes, yes. So um,
1: let's talk about some of this stuff. So you are obviously, you've, you've written a book. And you're very open about your uh, your traumas. And you talk about it, I think, in a video I saw from 17 to 46, the traumas that mm. you've been dealing with. And uh, they that's the video I saw. And so what are some of those thoughts now that you want to maybe share with our listeners on um, the woman you are today? And what's made you the woman you are today?
0: Yeah, so uh, it really—I'll kind of back into it um, a little bit. Uh, When I was seventeen, I experienced my first trauma. Um, I was raped by somebody that I knew. Ended up having a child out of that. It was a devastating time. The police wouldn't press charges. They—I was my story wasn't believed. Um, He tried doing it again to somebody else, and so. The, the age of 17 was what I call like, it was my, the deepest foundation for what I needed to then walk through when I didn't know it at the time when I was 40. Um, and so, you know, I, I look at our life, like we have these different chapters, we have these different areas, these different times in our life where we, may have something if it's a small trauma or a big trauma that completely shifts up who we are and it's in those moments that we can either choose to learn from them and to deepen our understanding of self and to heal and to grow or to literally allow them to overcome us right and so I at the age of 17 had to do a lot of internal um, looking at myself and also just healing from that space and making some really huge decisions such as I'm going to I'm going to, you know, choose to actually have my child. I'm going to choose to keep my child. There's a lot that that went behind all of that, which you can read in the book. Um, And then, you know, I actually knew at the age of 18 that I was going to write this book. I had this hit from God, spirit, universe, whatever you want to say. And I couldn't figure out all from that age, from the age of 18 until the age of 40. I would sit with my girlfriends and tell them, I feel like, there's something in me that's not coming out. I don't get it. I don't understand. And even though I was teaching and everything, you know, in my in my younger years, um, in my 20s and, and early 30s, I still felt like I, there was something that I wasn't putting out there, that I wasn't fully in my passion and my purpose. And then when everything hit at 40, when I found out that my husband, my second huge round of traumas hit, when I found out my husband had been betraying me for 14 of our 17 years of marriage with men, right? And so there was this whole other double life that he was leading. I realized a lot of addictions and a lot of things was, were going on. I realized at 40 that my 17-year-old self prepared me for my 40-year-old self. And so then when I realized that in that moment, I, it gave me, I already had the foundation to heal and the foundation to look at my life as happening for me, not to me. And so it changed all of the perspective of who I was as a woman as well, changed my perspective of who I was as a mom, as a, as a partner, as a co-parent, which become a co-parent, um, even as a single woman, like I'm, in, I'm a single woman now, right? Like I'm not who I was as a married woman. And so I also realized when I decided, oh my gosh, this book is now, needs to get written because my chapters are different. My chapters have been of my life. Have now happened. So now I can write the book. I had this realization that, you know, everything in life, all of our experiences are happening not to us, but for us to become the person that we're meant to become. Right. And so, well, therapy, that's, I would assume,
1: there is that you would go. That, right? I mean, because you can't just be like, oh. I said, I'm assuming when I say therapy, not like it had to be some professional therapy, but I assume there's a lot of soul searching in that deal. You can't just wake up and say, oh, yeah, this happened at 17 and this happened with my husband at 40. Oh, it's just part of who I'm becoming.
0: Yeah, no, there was a lot of soul searching in this. There was a lot of soul searching. There a was a, of three, lot of, right? a lot of what?
1: You were a mother of three at that point, right? When this I'm
0: happened. a mother. Yes, I was a mother of three at this point. And so <clears throat> my kids, they're now 29, 19 and 14. And, you know, I do, and I, and yeah, and I have th- three boys as well, and they're amazing young men. Um, But truly also, I needed to deepen my understanding of self and really dive into who I am, because I wanted them to become better out of this as well. It wasn't only about me, right? So people ask that. They're like, well, what about your kids? And I, and my, that's why I also chose this path, right? And so when I was 40 and I, and I, and I was really up against a wall of like, I don't, like I'm. I was in complete PTSD, by the way, like complete PTSD, and um, and and I was in PTSD also because it brought up my traumas from my past. When I was when I was going through this with my husband, all of my past started to come forth as well, <clears throat> and so I had to really sit with that. And every single day, and I would go out into nature. That's why my book is about nature healing as well. I would go out into nature, and I would sit with nature. And I would allow myself to find the deepest clarity, that sense of self where it allowed me to realize that I'm not a part of this. Like I am not, it's happened to me. It is a part of me in a different kind of way, but it's not gonna define who I am, right? And so in the back of my head, it was also, you know, my children deserve the best mom. My children deserve the best life. My children deserve to also use this to become better men down the road. Because they're gonna experience something too, right? Like we all do. Everybody does.
1: Well, I think that's just incredible. So one hats off to you to, to, to go through that crap, right? I mean, just terrible stuff, but yet you put your work boots on and, and you got to work on yourself uh, yeah. for boys and for yourself. And, and I think so many people, we can fall victim to our past and not yeah. in, in, in a sense battle through it. You know, uh-huh. and I think it was the other path, which says a lot about you. What what was your family life? Meaning, Ie parents, things like that. What was that support like at seventeen and at forty?
0: My you, go watch my Instagram page. My I literally come from the best family ever. Like I freaking love my family, which is also why this was so hard for me, because you know, I I um <laughs> my my family. There's fifteen of us, and my family is we are one of the most tight knit families and yes, we have our crap, like we have crap, who doesn't have crap. Um, And, and the thing is though, is that what we do very well in our family is, is not judge each other. We look at each other like, okay, you know, you, you have this or you have like, we get it. Right. And so, And I have one niece and all nephews, which is very funny. And I have three boys, and so there's a lot of male energy in this family. Um, And uh, they were the most amazing, supportive group of people, humans, when I was going through this at 17. Um, My brothers, incredible. I one brother is a year older than me, and the other brother is two years older than me. It was very hard for them because they felt like who was here to protect you, but it wasn't about that. And the same with my dad and my mom, um, they were awesome though. And even when I sat with them and I, I remember, you know, when I had to tell my parents what had happened and then having to explain to them and say, like, I'm, I'm also pregnant. Like, I don't know what the hell. And I was born and raised Catholic. And my parents are the ones that actually said to me, you have to make this choice for yourself. This is, we support you either way. Um, this is your body. You're going to ultimately be the, be the one that's going to be living with whatever you choose. And so that decision, that choice was all mine. Even me bringing him home, they didn't know that I was going to bring him home. That was my internal choice, making that decision. And then having to say, by the way, I'm bringing this child home. And I hope you can look at him without judgment and instead with love. Like that's hard to ask your parents to do. And they did a brilliant brilliant, it was hard for them, but they did a brilliant job with it. When everything happened at 40, and my middle brother is a pilot, and he right away said, um, you know what, I'm going to change everything around, and I'm going to be there next week, and you tell me what you need. If you just want to walk the beach, we're just going to walk the beach, and I remember him saying to me, whatever you choice you make, it's not our choice, it's yours. If you choose to stay, if you choose to leave, if you, whatever it is, but we love you, and we're not going to judge you. And I was like, "Damn, that's exactly what I needed to hear." You know, because I could have made any choice, and um, and and I needed space and time to to get to my heart and say what what does Sarah need to become the best mother, you know, person, woman, everything in this in my lifetime. So yeah. talking
1: about this from the the man's perspective, right? So the the woman, boy, I have a very very strong wife. I mean, she's phenomenal, right? And um, and we get to have these discussions. But talking about like today, two thousand twenty one versus whatever year that was in two thousand seventeen. I'm sorry, when you were seventeen, when I was seventeen, the difference that it would have been today versus back then, right? Because things were different. I mean, you have a much more stronger voice today unfortunately, but unfortunately that you didn't when you were 17, right?
0: You know, the thing that saddens me about that is I remember sitting in and, and even talking about it, like it just, it brings it up for me. I remember sitting in the police department's office and the police office and um, and being literally judged and uh, having them just ask me the questions over and over and over again. And And I knew when I was sitting there I knew one of the guys was believing me and I knew none of the other ones were, I could feel it. And, you know, it was a, and I still had to get a restraining order on the guy. Like, I, I mean, it was so, so the the fact that you're 17 and you're not being protected by anybody you're, I didn't even feel protected in my house. I mean, I was harassed. I was, he tried to get into my home. Uh, He followed me and I, and there, it was just, it was a time where I'm like, like, where is everyone? That's all I could think was like, where is everyone? Why isn't anybody doing anything? And I can't, the thing is, is my family was doing the best that they could to protect me. And at the same time, you know, they're going through their own trauma with this, right? Like, you know, having to, I grew up in a very, very small town of 11, back then it was like 11, 1200 people. Um, And so in the middle of the country, and so, you know, you you tell somebody this and it gets out like wildfire. And then you've got people who are looking at you like, it must've been your fault if you wouldn't have, right? All the questions. It just wouldn't, it wouldn't be that way today. And I guess the beauty of that exact statement is that it wouldn't be like that today. I hope, I hope, I hope. Now I know that that's not always the case. Absolutely. And, you know, the other thing is, is that to know that he tried doing this again to somebody was one of the most devastating things for me as then you know when i when i found out about that as like an 18 year old thinking my god it's not even like could i have screamed more in the moment it's more of why like could i have screamed more through the process of trying to get him charged and i don't think that as much as i would i don't think that and no amount of screaming would have had anybody listen to me. It just, it just, so then what do you do? You fall silent. Cause you're like, okay, well I'll believe in myself. And you know what, that is the biggest gift that came out of this is, and I wrote that in my book, the most the most important person to believe in you is you. The most important person to love you is you, to find your worthiness in you is you, to listen to your story and to believe your story, to know your story, to to respect your story, to use your voice within yourself. It's you. Everything starts with self.
1: That's amazing. So talk to us about the, the I mean, that's very traumatic, right? The, the two instances you've had at 17, yeah. very, very traumatic. Talk to our listeners that may be dealing with some sort of trauma. Maybe it's not to that level, right? Maybe it's right. the loss of a job because of COVID. It's, they're not happy with whatever. H- how do you how do you find the, the, the gem or the, the gift that you've been given, though, through, I think you said
0: now he's 23 years old, right? He's 29. 29. He's phenomenal, I'm sorry. phenomenal, by the way. Like, yeah, I'm 47. Um, he's freaking phenomenal. Like, I, I, I can't even. You know, people ask me about that too. They're like, well, how does he? Like, there's so many different dynamics in this. Like, how does? And like, he's he just doesn't. My son doesn't know any differently. Like, he's loved. Period. Like, he so he is.
1: gift, though, right? Like, the the that's a a gift. Exactly. thing. <clears throat> Unbelievable gift, like a God-given gift as a child.
0: And you know, the thing that's really most important, I think, when you're talking about traumas too, is, in with what you just uh, asked me, our entire world is living in trauma right now, with COVID, like this pandemic, between 2020 was traumatic on so many levels. It's not only the level of the pandemic, but it was what we went through with Black Lives Matter. It was what the police, I mean, like literally like It was. And that's why when I wrote the book, I wrote my book during COVID, by the way. And so when I wrote the forgiveness piece, I started with, um, and I always say this, every single thing starts with self. And that's why we started with self-forgiveness in the very, seven steps to forgiveness, the last step being forgiveness. And how do you practice this? And it is a practice. So even with your traumas, it's a practice of healing. It's not like, oh, I healed. I'm done. It is an everyday choosing to step up, regardless if your trauma is something that is small or if it's something that is huge. If you witnessed a murder or if you you know lost your job, which for some people, that is a really huge trauma. And I respect that. Like, it doesn't matter. Traumas affect everybody differently. Uh, the point though is, is that it is a practice, right? And so we tend to think that, that healing needs to be hard. It needs to be really sucky. It needs to be like it's not running down our face, but it's that's not the case as we're crying. But that's not the case. Like you you know, healing from your traumas for me, for example, healing from my traumas has been a lot of getting quiet. It's been going out into nature. It's been sitting with whales and dolphins or having a butterfly land in my hand and just sit there looking at it. It's been watching spiders, you know, weave webs, looking at the stars in the middle of the night. It's also been climbing mountains for 22 days straight, like literally out in the wilderness. Everybody needs to find the way that works for them to heal from whatever it is that is in their present time. And, you know, the other thing about that is also laughter is overlooked, by the way. And so I remember the day that somebody said to me, I had a therapist say, What are you covering up by laughing? And I was like covering up by laughing, no sister, <laughs> you know? Yeah. I said, I, I, I feel my, You ha- in order to heal anything, you have to feel everything, right? And so that means that, yeah, sometimes it might look like it's not falling down your face as you're crying. And sometimes it might actually look like simply laughing at the craziness of life, right? And so it, there's, there's so many different ways to do this. And people seem to think that th- it has to be done in one way, but that's not the case.
1: And I think, too, don't you think people think that the snot running down your face thing and then like, oh, all of a sudden I'm happy and now it's over and that that's not down your face thing never comes back? I mean, it's like for me with anxiousness, there's days where I'm, I could go weeks and months without feeling any of it, but then there's days where it's like, holy smokes, like this is a lot, right? Where. Yeah. It doesn't just I would I would assume I haven't dealt with that trauma that I would assume it's just like that with anxiety yep. alcoholics right that have to go through the twelve step program. It doesn't just go away and it's easy because you stopped drinking twenty years ago. It's still tough.
0: It's still tough. And you know the thing is is that if I could do anything for anybody that's listening right now, it's normalize the fact that healing's amazing. Like healing is a, it's an adventure into self. What so, me that? What's that?
1: When you say amazing, describe that. What do you mean by
0: that? Healing, you know, when you're going through the process of healing, you, it's like you pull back the layers and you get to see yourself in a different, through a different light. You get to see yourself with compassion and, um, and fierce love, right. And worthiness and being able to look at all of this stuff and say, wow, I freaking survived that. Like me even saying that in this moment, which I have not been, I haven't. I've had a very busy past few weeks. I lost one of our dear friends last week too, unexpectedly. And so even through that, like going through that trauma of, of losing somebody that I care about so unexpectedly, I was driving down the road on the five coming back home. And I all of a sudden broke out crying. And I was like, why am I crying? Like, why am I crying? Well, I was crying because there was, there was so much with even that, like behind all of understanding that, you know, life is so precious, right? And we are only given, we don't know when our life is taken from us and we are only given so many moments that we're here. And so being able to even pull that layer back and say, okay, where can I deepen my understanding of self through that, through G, just through that experience of crying through, right? The loss of somebody that I care about. We, we really make it too difficult. We overcomplicate everything. And, in, and when I am saying it's amazing, it's absolutely the most beautiful gift to be able to really connect with who you are even more deeply than you did before it happened.
1: Yeah, I think it's what I'm hearing you say, too. I just had a, a former NFL football player on here. It's actually being released on Monday. But he talked about when I'm done with like even this podcast, he said, I will slow down and reflect about did I give myself? Was I as transparent as I needed to be? Was I as vulnerable as I needed to be? And I think we're all guilty of going, we both did it today, right? We went from one meeting to another, and then here we get, to yeah. sleep, and it's like, we just go, 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 go. But yet how many times are we really slowing down so then we can speed up?
0: Yes. And that's, that's why nature is so important because it, it, if, unless, you know, unless you're not intentional with, with really using nature to um, heal right which a lot of people aren't a lot of people are like I'm just gonna you know run up the mountain and see how fast I can get up there and for me it's literally about slowing down and being able to be with not only my thoughts but with my heart right and our heart is the number one most important thing to actually Really connect with because that's where our love it lies. That's that. That's the um going back to who we are, and putting ourselves first.
1: What does that look like for you? So walk us through that mode. Let's just say you're around the house doing some stuff. It's a weekend, and maybe it's a quiet weekend, and, and which that probably never happens. But when <laughs> you go to that level or that point where you say I want to be connected to my heart, like are you asking yourself questions? Is it just like I'm sitting and you know? saying Kumbaya in the
0: corner, like, how is that, what's that like for you? I am, I, it's, for me to sit and meditate can be very, very difficult, by the way. Um, and that is, so what I usually do, because like I said, this is where everybody had, does something differently. For me, my meditation is um, going on my paddleboard and uh, I'll paddle, you know, four miles offshore and I'll just sit. That's where I will sit and I will look, um, I will just be in quiet, be in silence and I will look at, you know, the, the the way that the ocean is, the ripples are, or I'll look at the dolphins that come by, or I'll, you know, connect with the whales. I Whales are not in right now. I don't know where they are. We're trying to find those right now, <laughs> but, but they are out there somewhere. Come back. Uh, and that, in through that process of being able to simply slow and to feel your breath, that's where you can also connect with your heart. Mm-hmm. And so, um, and that, that's, that's that space within yourself where you you know, you know yourself that much more deeply. People ask me all the time, well, how do you go out there and you're not afraid of sharks? Well,
1: I'm, and, well, I'm literally getting ready to ask you, like how are you not afraid <laughs> of you know, whales now? just gonna be like, all right, we'll eliminate her.
0: <laughs> so, this, so, and this is what I tell people. When you have lived through so much and you know yourself that well, You just know when you're okay and when you need to get to shore. Okay. And I mean that metaphorically, as well as when I'm on the ocean, you know, you just simply know yourself. And, you know, I listen, I listen to my intuition now, like I've never done before. And that's also connecting to your heart. I listen to, um, to what my needs are and I listen to my des- what my desires are, what I, my passion is, what my purpose is, all of that. Right. Because for so long in my marriage, for example, I was listening to something other than me. Even when my intuition would be telling me something like, hey, this feels off. And I would ask my husband a question of like, this feels weird between us. And he would, you know, come back with the answer that my head wanted to hear, but my heart didn't, I would listen to this and not this and not my intuition. Right. And so when we can get back to listening to our intuition, to our heart, we're, we're not steered away. That's our true North. We know, like we know, like we know, like we know, like we know that this is the direction I need to be going. Just like when people ask me, how are you not afraid of sharks? Well, there you go.
1: Yeah, that's a great answer. So, uh, you've heard these three words before uh, truth, inspiration, and
0: hope. And hope. <laughs> you knew where I was going. <laughs> Do you want me to talk about those three words? <laughs> you
1: can say that. Obviously, you can see it light up, right? You, you know, yeah. it, it, it hits home, right? We just hit a home run. And, we hit a home run. Uh, so, truth, inspiration, and hope. Talk about those three words.
0: Okay. So, those three words came to me when I was paddling on the ocean one day. I was thinking about And I was connecting with, you know, again, like source, God, whatever you want to say, nature, um, universe. And I was really, um, it's okay. What's that?
1: You can say God here. It's okay.
0: (laughs) Connecting with God. Um, I was a couple miles offshore and I was literally asking like, what are some words that are really like, what's really helping? What am I connecting with? Like what's, what is landing with me? That's also being my guiding light, whatever you want to say. And, um, that's what I heard. I heard, you know what, keep speaking your truth, find inspiration every day and always have hope. Now, here's what's interesting. I'm going to kind of dive into those. And I really like y'all, y'all, y'all listeners need to grab a piece of paper on this one and a pen, because when it comes to truth, we look at truth, like it's out there, right? Truth comes from ourself. We have, uh, we have, and I, and I talk in my book about the, about the chakras, right? And we have the throat chakra. And for so many people, they don't feel like they can speak their truth either because they feel like, well, I don't want to hurt somebody else. I don't want to speak my truth because then it's going to hurt them. I don't want to speak my truth because, you know, what if somebody says something or the judgment or the, this or the, that own your truth. That is your truth. That is your story, right? And here's the thing about forgiveness. When it comes to, and this is how it plays into it, when it comes to forgiveness, your story matters. The definition in the, in the dictionary right now about forgiveness is the process. It's to pardon, but then to forgive and forget. We do not want to forget what happened to us. We want to honor what happened to us right? Because that's yours. That is what, that is your experience. That's what you went through. And so speaking your truth is not about, you're not doing it maliciously to hurt another person. Like when I wrote my book, I told my ex-husband, this is what I'm writing about, but this is my truth. You have your truth in this. The kids have their truth in this. Everybody has their truth in this, but this is my truth. And this is my experience, right? And so When we can own that, we honor it. And that's how we can also step into forgiveness because you're not, you're not forgetting it happened. You're saying like, this happened to me and you know, this is how I feel or whatever it is. Inspiration is the thing that will get us through everything because that is something that as a child, we live in every day. And so when I also wrote the book in step one, I wrote, um, lead in it, always lead with intention and use that childlike sense within us. As children, we were never afraid to, we, like most of us anyhow, as kids, we weren't afraid to fail because there was always failure, right? You had to, you had to, uh, in order to learn how to walk, you had to learn how to crawl. You had to learn to stand. You had to fall many, 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 many times, which then led allowed us to finally run. Right. And so we forget that that child within us needs to also come out in play as adults. We need to be able to look at life in awe and wonder through a sense, uh, through the lens of newness every single day, through freshness, because when we do that, we see something differently than what we did before, right? Including the traumas that we've lived through. So, you know, we forget to also have fun. We just forget as adults to have fun. Um, and so when we can go back, go ahead.
1: Sorry, sorry, not to interrupt you here, but so on that inspiration, you said, um, it, you know, it gets us through everything, and I, and I believe that wholeheartedly, but talk to us about the day that you may not feel like getting inspired, or uh, when you're searching for that inspiration, where do you find that? Okay,
0: outside, literally, go outside. I'm not joking. This is where, this is why nature is so, so freaking important, because, if you, you, you know, we have our senses, we have um, all of the senses within us as well, right? When I'm not feeling inspired and people talk about this to writers, because I, writers block, right? People, writers block is a serious thing. <laughs> I had it many times. And my editor would always say to me, well, do what you know, Sarah. And I was like, okay, that's right. Get up, go outside, get some fresh air. Look at the clouds. Watch the leaves and the way that they, you know, are being being uh, floated by, you know, with the wind. Right? Look at the find a spider and watch it weave a web. Um, look at the bugs. Literally, it's so simple. It's so simple. And, you know, there are moments of inspiration in every single day being handed to us. It's our choice to be aware of it or not. And so, just opening up our senses to that. That in and of itself will inspire us.
1: Yeah, that's amazing. I'm so I'm doing this, uh, it's called Made for. Uh Blake Mikoski, who started Tom Shoes and uh, his business partner who's a Navy SEAL. They yep. had a month program. And it's just, I've never really heard this whole nature thing. And I feel like that's all I hear now is nature because that's the month I just got done with was a, t- it was a one-month challenge of nature. Mm-hmm. And going out and we have some land and we have trails and and I, I and I go out there and we ride four wheelers and we do fun stuff with the kids. But you know, again, you're not necessarily slowing down and looking at the leaf and looking at that bus. Yes. But yet, I found myself in this one month challenge walking those trails and seeing things that I'd never seen before.
0: Yeah, well, because you know why?
1: I was paying. I was pr- probably more. Uh, I was more. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? More purposeful, probably about it. Yeah.
0: You were more, you were more intentional. You were definitely more intentional. You were more aware. And I guarantee you, this is what I'm just picking up too, is that you allowed that child within you to see things, right? Because you slowed down because you slowed down because as adults, we're always in the doing, we're always in the doing, Right, As children, we're more in the being because even when we are running around like children like this, we're still being because we're seeing things differently. We're experiencing the things that we are actually doing. But as adults, we're always so fast to go from here to there. But that's also the difference between living in a mindset society and living from your heart. Kids don't live from this. You're right. That's why. That's why kids always say. That's why, or that's why adults always tell kids, "Don't grow up," because as kids we live from this, and then we grow up into this as adults, right? Pay the bills, do the things, take care of the family. Blah, 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 like the list goes on and on and on. Yeah, yeah you
1: gotta, you gotta yeah. trust your heart, right? You gotta trust it, and just I think take action on that, and yep. not this this brain get in the way because it's gonna tell you every reason why you shouldn't go do it, why you shouldn't, why you shouldn't go out on your paddleboard and all all the things that can go bad. Right. And you got, right.
0: right. What about the sharks? What about the wind? What about the, this, what about the, that I'm like, okay. And, <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's fascinating because when I'm working with my clients, you know, because I, I lead the retreats in the grand Canyon with men and women, and I always tell them like, this is I'm going next week. I'm taking a group down April 7th. And, um, And I always tell them like, this is the space right now where you get to do the most amazing, amazing expansive work because you're getting out of your head and you are dropping into here. And it's it, and I can watch people. I will be on the trail and I'll watch people. I'll, it's the coolest thing actually to watch clients where they bebop between their heads and their heart, and then they're like they they want it. They like their head is literally saying like come back up, and then they drop back down under the heart, and they're like whoa this is the most beautiful thing ever, and they're sitting in awe and wonder, and they're just like in love with life, right? And I always tell them this is where I want you to stay. When you leave this space, when you leave the canyon, I want you to stay and like literally live from this space, you know, in complete alignment, of course, right. Like head, heart, spirit, all that stuff. So
1: talk about that, uh, this grand Canyon thing. I thought that was really cool what you do with people.
0: Yeah. I, um, so when I was going through my trauma recovery, uh, at when everything happened at 40 and I started going through my trauma recovery and nature was like that, when that became my therapy, I had a coach ask me, um, why are you working through your traumas so much more quickly than everybody else? Like you're healing differently. Why are you healing differently? And I, I couldn't quite, I was like, well, I'm not really sure. And then I was kind of going through all of the things that I was doing and being in nature was one of my big, big things. Like that was my space. And so I decided, and I had already been going into the Canyon for a number of years. My uncle um, started taking me down in uh, almost 12 years ago. And so um And and the canyon was a big space for me through my trauma recovery. And so I decided I was going to start running retreats um, and taking men and women down in. And it works metaphorically so freaking beautifully because there is only one place in the world, right? That's it, where you hike down into the mountain, down, or down into the earth, and then you come out instead of going up and then going down. And so we hike down in and we spend at least two to three nights down there um, and uh, in, a, in a cabin down at the bottom of the canyon. And we do a lot of deep work. And the reason it also works metaphorically is because you know, you're going from this and then you're dropping in and you're doing the deep work on self. And so when we hike out, you've done all of this internal work in a space where literally you're going down in and it's so spiritual and it's so beautiful and you're literally connecting with something that is one of the most, it's one of the, 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 the magnificent places in the world. Right. And so then you come out the other side, the, when you come out, you're literally transformed. I love it. So
1: that sounds like I need to find a uh, weekend babysitter for my four boys. <laughs> Come out, right? Well,
0: and you know, what's cool about it. This is why, this is why it also works though, is because um, we do coaching before and after as well. So we do a lot. I want you to be prepared um, when we go into the Canyon, like prepared, spiritually mentally physically like uh, the whole emotionally um and so we do a lot of coaching beforehand as well uh, about a one and a half months worth and then we do one and a half months afterwards as well because it's i don't want people coming out and then being like whoa what just happened to me i want them to be able to use this and take it into their everyday life knowing also you have to keep doing the work like you you know so
1: this is phenomenal we could go on and on but i guess we gotta let you finish that one last word hope
0: Yes. Oh, hope. So hope. Um, so hope is something that I would ask you, what do you th- first? Can I ask you, like, what do you yeah, think? Of you what do you think? Of, what do you, When you think of the word hope, what do you think about?
1: It's um, a great question. I, I think of, um, I think of the future, uh, you know, my, my mission, our firm's mission is a future greater than your past. I think that gives you hope. Um, I think it gives me A feeling that no matter where I'm at, what walk of journey I'm in in my life, that there's going to be something there for me. Um, I see my family there. I see my wife and my kids, and and I see this just this happiness of all of our work coming together and creating this hope. I don't know if that's a very good way to say it or not. It's probably not very good, but that's just kind of how I feel.
0: No, that's a word for me. What's that?
1: The a positive word for me that yeah. everybody wants hope, right? They want hope for something better.
0: Yeah. And, you know, so the way that I, I ask people this every once in a while, um, the way that so many people look at hope is, and, and and it gets sometimes a bad rap is because people think of false hope. Well, I had hope in that. And then I was I was disappointed because they put expectations on their hope, right? But that's all external. And so I tell people when it comes to hope, that's an internal piece. So everything, because everything starts and ends with self when we're talking about hope for self or hope for our life or hope for whatever it is, it's not about externally saying I have like, give me hope, right? Because hope is already within you. You're born with it. It's something that is already, you know, a part of who you are. You, it, and so when we can go to that word hope from an internal space from our heart, and be like, yes, I have hope in myself. I hope I have hope for my future. I have hope for you know whatever it is that I want to create, the adventurous life I want to live, whatever it is. When it comes internally, you're not gonna you're you you're always gonna have it there. It's not you're not gonna lose the that expect that false expectation that we put on it isn't gonna happen because it's coming from self. Does it make sense? It does. So yeah Basically about
1: what I call bounce back theory and people hear me say it all the time in this show is I guess that's where I hear hope. Like even when I get bad news and in business, I bounce back pretty quickly because I have hope in what, what's coming next is I try to go, you know, lay in the fetal position and cry about it for weeks. It's like, I want to have hope. that something I'm going to, one, I have to slow down and embrace it and learn. I got to learn from that. And then through that learning, it creates hope for the future of something
0: better. Yes. 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 Yep. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. It's interesting. That's a word that for some reason, so many people have questioned me on like hope, hope. And I'm like, hope's amazing. Oh. It is like, it is like the magical, it's it's like confetti. <laughs> it's a beautiful thing. Yeah.
1: It's funny. You it made me think of this. Like some people want to stay this even keel, and not get excited about something that may happen, but then it doesn't. And then, like you said, they fall off, right? They're, they're extremely right. about it. I feel a difference in why not have some hope about that? And if it doesn't turn out, it doesn't turn out. But why not take, whether it's one day, one week, one month of excitement and living your life differently because you hope something does, that, that thing does happen. Right. I can deal with it if it doesn't, but I at least got a month of enjoyment out
0: of it. Right. Absolutely absolutely yep yeah so uh,
1: now what's with the red high heels you got to your <laughs> instagram page anybody go check her out on instagram right now I'm just, I'm in these red high heels up in like a mountain or something
0: in the red high heels so i um i the red high heels red stands for oh here actually i'll show you but i know those listeners aren't going to see them but i'm holding up a, a cute little pair of red uh heels that my phone sits on sometimes um you know, red stands for love, passion. Uh It's one of those things that, I mean, I the, the color red is such a beautiful color, right? Like that's just, and and it's also strength and love and all the things. And uh, I was, I, when I was 42, 41, 42, and I started, well, I was questioned a lot, first of all, in my marriage. I was questioned like, it's so ridiculous, but I had people that were questioning my strength. They were questioning um, you know, why I was in the marriage, just a lot of stuff. It was horrible. Um, and, uh, like questioning my own space and time within the marriage while I was in it. And then when I decided I was going to start guiding people on healing retreats in the in the grand Canyon, people questioned, how are you going to do that? If you're that mom, right? Like, how are you, how are you, you're going to go start guiding people? Like, it's so ridiculous. And it just, it bugged me. And so I decided that I was running one day on the green belts here in Hermosa beach. And I had this hit, this thought of, you know what? I want to put on a pair of red heels, take I want to take my red heels to the summit, put my red heels on and show that women don't have to be put into a freaking box, right? Wow. Like, we can be anything we want in this world. And we are not, you know, uh, uh, contained to the things that have happened to us. And so I did. I took a picture in my red. At that time, I had a red dress, too, on that that particular picture. Um, and I posted it on social media and it just went crazy. And so um, I decided, wow, that was pretty fun. And so literally, I was like, that was fun uh, because it just like it gave other women people, other women were messaging me and they were like, that is really cool. Thank you. And so. Now I carry them on every trail I go on. I was just on the John Muir Trail for 22 days and I carried my red heels on the back of my pack, um, which, by the way, caused a lot of conversations with people because, you know, you're supposed to pack light and they're like, and you're carrying a pair of red heels. I'm like, yep. So I've I've put them on on the summit of Mount Whitney several times, uh, different places on the High Sierra Trail, the High Sierra Loop, the John Muir Trail, the Grand Canyon in Yosemite on top of Half Dome, Clouds Rest, like all sorts of different places that I've climbed, all the six-pack of peaks in Southern California, just because like, it's fun too, quite frankly.
1: <laughs> it's fun. <Right. laughs> For me, what I'm hearing from that too is you, you said it earlier, right? On truth, own your truth.
0: Own your truth, exactly. exactly.
1: These red shoes, that's your truth. And when you have people knocking you down and say, "Why you can't do this and you can't do that, it's like, that's where the BS comes in, right? That's exactly. You read, the people we surround ourselves with, I'll add now to a third is the podcast we listen to. Shameless plug yeah. for their success, right? But I mean, you <laughs> read messages from people like you, and again, books from people like you, and yeah. the people you surround yourself with. I want people around me that, that lift me up, that don't knock me down.
0: Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. And I'll tell you something that's really cool is when I have um, both men and women will say to me, Oh my gosh, if I'm on a summit and they're like, Can I put those on and take a picture? I'm like, Hell yeah. There <laughs> you are, too. It's not just for me, it's for all of us like men, women, the whole, everybody. Absolutely own your truth and be who you want to be in this world. Nobody should be telling you otherwise. So,
1: where do our listeners find more of a Sarah schulting Kranz?
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, so you can find me on my website dot com. Um, my TED talks on there, my retreats, my online program, my book is on there. You can find my book at Amazon or any bookstore. Um, literally it's it's pretty much it was published by Harper Harper Horizon, Harper and so it's it's out. Um, the documentary that we're working on, you, if you want to watch clips of that, it's walkthroughthis.com. That's a really cool thing to go and watch. And uh, social media, I'm on Instagram, Sarah Schulten Kranz. Facebook, Sarah Schultz Kranz. I don't tweet too much. Sorry, guys. Right. Um, I just, I don't know. And then, you know, LinkedIn, if you're into that, I'm on that as well, Sarah Schultz Kranz. So,
1: yeah. We'll put all this in the show notes. And uh, Sarah, it's been awesome having you. What a uh, Thank you. thing for you to do. You've, uh, you've dealt with the trauma, and but you're giving all of us a gift on how to get through that. So very thankful for that.
0: Thank you for having me on. I really appreciate it. Go Cardinals. (laughs) That's right. Yes. Tune in next week for another episode of the Circuit of Success with Brett Gilliland on the lineupmedia.fm podcast network. Subscribe to the show on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and through our website, circuitofsuccess.com. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter, and email any questions to info at circuitofsuccess.com. This podcast was a presentation of lineupmedia.fm.